Welcome to The Change Lead, the podcast providing leaders with the insight needed to get things done in a rapidly changing and complex world. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Connect with our community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. Welcome to The Change Lead with your host, Babatope Ipiyumi. In our modern world, with all our technological advancements, certain facts seem out of place. One of these is the fact that on average, being a woman is a data verified disadvantage. Today's guest is looking to shine a light on this fact and inspire change. Michael Burima is the author of Steel Woman, Heroics of the African Woman and the Pursuit of Gender Justice. Today, Michael and I will have a conversation about how society perpetuates the unequal treatment of women and what it will take to bring about change. Michael, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward towards today's conversation and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Um, so we get started. So today we'll be talking about how society perpetuates the unequal treatment of women. Okay, so I think so the big topic, slightly different from the conventional topics we do, but I think it's an important topic to cover. Now, at the time of recording this, you're just about launching your new book, Steel Woman, and that's been a, a major piece of work that you've been you've been going through. So to get started, it'd be good to know what were the drivers for this? Somebody doesn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, it's Monday morning, let me write a book. That doesn't happen. So what were the drivers for writing Steel Woman? Yeah, so um, for me, it's been a, you know, my life has been a journey of, um, of two halves, if you like. Um, and the one half, you know, my family and I lived in an affluent area, you know, we had, you know, a lot of things at our disposal, you know, we, I went to an exclusive school uh, with uh, children of some of the wealthiest people that I've, I have known and things like that. Uh, and then in the second half of that, you know, I, my, my mother found the courage to exit a severely abusive relationship. And in that process, she took all six children with her, you know, a very difficult decision. And then we experienced how the other half lived, if you like, you know, um, because we, we became essentially that. And, uh, you know, lived in the poorest part of town. Um, lived even worse than most of the people that I know personally in that neighborhood we moved into. And things became, became really, really tough. And in the center of all of that is my mother's experience as a woman, you know, right from when, you know, before we left my father's house, you know, domestic abuse, domestic violence, and then exiting into society or a community or communities, if you like, that are, you know, not designed to, you know, to, 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 to empower the woman, not designed to enable the woman. And this is the story of many women, you know, not just in Africa, where I'm from, but, you know, really many parts of the world. And so, I became determined to share my mother's story in order to, you know, motivate more people to challenge 
and inspire more people to see the value in creating a more equal society where women, you know, are not secondhand citizens, you know, second class, I should say, citizens, but women are empowered like everybody else to live the life that they choose for themselves. So yeah, that is really the motivation for me writing this book. And I'm hoping that in my way, I can, you know, I can change the world around me. I think that's a brilliant um, motivation. There's what, what I'm hearing there, the power of the story. And I think a lot, a lot of us are, are motivated by personal stories, what you're describing there is a personal story, and stories we hear from others as well. So it's, it's a brilliant story. I'm looking forward to you to sharing that story with, with the world, really. Um, so if we, if we get into just a little bit of the book, so the book is titled Steel Woman. Can you just, who are the characters, for example, in the, this book? Just a, a taster of the book. Well, the um, obviously the the key character in there is my mother. You know, um, she is the person whose story is used and then um, used to, you know, um, talk more deeply about the deep societal issues that you know surround her own experience. Uh, my father is um, also part of the story, obviously. Um, it will seem in some part as though he is the villain of the story, but not really, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it represented who he was at the time and not who he is now. So um, it's just, again, something that is important to do, to use real life experiences, whether good or bad, to share stories that enable people today to live differently. And obviously myself, my siblings, you know, as a family, we are all um, part of the story, you know, our own experience, our own journey, um, going from the way we lived before to how we lived in a later part of our childhood and our own experience as well of um, abuse uh, in the hands of our father, but also witnessing the abuse of our mother as well. So, yeah, these are really a summary of, uh, uh, th th this is a summary of uh, the characters in the book. That's nice. So we know it's a, it's a personal story. It's a story about family. I like what you touched on there where you, you described your, your father here. Is, although he could be characterized as a villain, you really qualify that. I think that's quite important. The way we, stories can very quickly make, create an other, us and them, all right? And we have to be very careful in the way we tell stories that we learn the lessons without creating division in society. So I, I really like that qualification you made there. Absolutely. That is, that is quite yeah. No, that's that. That's it. That's the way I saw it in the book. Because um, you know, ultimately, my father made mistakes. You know, he did certain things that some people will say are even beyond mistakes. You know, but it is those things do not define him today. You know, and we need to create a society where everybody, whether the you know uh, survivors of abuse or the perpetrators of abuse, can all tell their stories with a view to changing society for the better. So I think we should judge people not by what they have done before, but the willingness to use their experience, their journey, to shape a better future for everybody. Impactful. impactful. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about mom? You've already described mom as being the center of the story, as in clearly what she did, um, how she went through that experience must have inspired you. I know how much work you've put into putting this book together. So there must have been an inspiration there. And it's the, it's the key thing that drives change in society today is people's lives inspiring others. So it'd be great for you to share a little bit about mom, 
how she inspired you and what she did? Well, um, the book is Steel Woman, you know, playing on the idea of a Superman, Steel Man, you know, and the Steel Woman, the Superwoman. And it's in part, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of an ironic way of looking at mom's, you know, uh, story, basically, because on the one hand, I am actually saying in the book that women should not be forced to leave in a way that, you know, is almost supernatural, you know, the, the burden that society plays on them, you know, but at the same time, I am actually proud to call her the still woman. So you can see um, how, you know, contradicted that might seem in, in, in some way, um, the paradox of that. But the main thing is that mom is, you know, the strongest woman I have ever known, and I probably will ever know. Um, she, you know, right from when she was little, was given very, very little chance at, you know, uh, actualizing herself, living for herself. You know, she, her life had been programmed, if you like, to, you know, uh, be determined by the role of men in it. You know, whether it's the men in preparing her for, you know, a future where she will be someone's wife or, you know, the men who are constantly thinking of how they might take advantage of her even in her youth, you know, and then growing up, finding love, one of the best love stories that I, I told in the book as well, one of the light moments in the book, um, finding love and then losing it again, you know, losing it in a, in a, in a really, you know, heartbreaking way. Um, but in all of that, she was there for her children. You know, she had such uncommon courage, you know, to exit the relationship at the time that she did. And she was there for us. She made sure that she prioritized our education. She prioritized, you know, our, our future above everything else. You know, it, she, she's an incredibly, incredibly strong woman. And yeah, so... She was entrepreneurial, you know, from the very little she had, you know, literally bringing some things out of nothing. You know, she was highly creative. You know, some of the ways I told in the book about how she uh, fed us, <laughs> I mean, was extremely creative, um, you know, as, as heartbreaking as they were in terms of the outcome, but they were really creative. So that's the kind of woman that she was you know, uh, that she is, um, the kind of mother that she, she, she was bringing us up, but the kind of woman that she is still, a woman that is proud in what she has, you know, been able to not just endure, but the beauty she's been able to bring out of the endurance. Well, that, that's, a, that's a very, very good description of, of someone. The words I'm hearing there are uncommon courage. That, that's brilliant. Creativity. Um, I didn't, you, you didn't use the word, but I'm, I'm hearing like tenacity with dignity, as in she's done it with, with, with dignity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's, that's brilliant, yeah. brilliant. So I think this is a book I think people need to, to read to, to learn more Absolutely. about the experiences you've gone through and, and what you've learned. So if we, if we get into more of the lessons we can draw, so mm. that, you know, you've gone through that experience, you've taken yeah. the time, put the effort in to put yeah. together in a book. Um, if we can draw on some of those lessons, if we start in terms of lessons of how we can create personal change, personal impact, 
How can someone listening to this, watching this, what are the lessons they can draw from that experience to apply to their own personal lives mm. to that they can make a change in how we, in, in gender justice, how women are treated globally today. Um, is there anything you can share on those lessons for, imper- for personal change? Yeah, I think for, for personal change in terms of uh, individuals and individual, one lesson that I can say that I derived that has been really, really powerful for me, you know, from our experience growing up and all that my mom and us went through has been that, you know, being forced in effect to, you know, get out of our comfort zone has produced great, you know, great um, growth, personal growth in all of us, you know, in mom, in us, in me, um, in mom, for example, you know, being forced to come out of a, a, comfort zone, a comfort zone resulted in her, you know, testing her entrepreneurial, you know, capabilities a lot more than she ordinarily would have done when she was still with my father. Um, in us, you know, in me, I can say that has resulted in, you know, uh, me developing strengths that I never knew that I had. And I think that applies to mom even much more than it is it, it, it does to me. Um, so coming out of a comfort zone, you know, is extremely powerful in helping us to develop strength, to, to just discover how strong we can be. You know, it also means that it, it, it expanded my perspective beyond anything I could have imagined. You know, today we talk about some leaders, whether in organizations or, or countries, you know, who may not be able to empathize with the people they lead. You know, being forced out of your comfort zone can create that. It can give you perspective. I mean, I, growing up in our bubble in what was called the government reserved area at the time, um, with the acronym GRA, uh, I was, you know, somewhat oblivious to the existence of poorer people. You know, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I genuinely felt that even my family that was at best in the middle class at the time, uh, I genuinely felt that we were a lot wealthier than we was. And I, you know, identified more with the children from most <laughs> the wealthier families, you know, but being forced out of our comfort zone changed all of that. You know, I realized suddenly that there was a greater perspective to be gained from the world around me. You know, I realized that I realized the the suffering. I could identify with the suffering. I could identify with, you know, uh, the aspirations. I could identify with the hopes. You know, and that I think personally, you know, gave me brought great growth my way, um, great personal growth. Um, that that's actually, I suppose, is in one way why I have uh, been working in nonprofits ever since to try and lift as many people up as I can. Um, one, you know, lesson for me in this respect then would be for people listening to this, not to wait for life to force them out of their comfort zones, you know, um, make the bold decision to get yourself out of your comfort zones, you know, get yourself out of your comfort zone. There's a lot of growth to be gained in doing so. And if you're lucky, you might just find your, 
your true self. You might just find your true self right outside of your comfort zone. So I believe this applies to individuals, but I also believe in this in relation to what you would normally, you know, typically do, which is, you know, to speak about change within the context of organizations. This applies to organizations as well. I believe organizations that keep within, you know, their comfort zone are unlikely to experience growth as much as those who venture outside of it, I would, I would believe. Yeah, I think that's very, very, very well said. And I think the, the key thing is you've gone through that experience, you moved out of your comfort zone, it stretched you, um, stretched your family, stretched you individually. And I think one lesson I'm hearing very clearly, and I'll echo it, is don't wait for life, don't wait for situations, don't wait for circumstances to force you out of your comfort zone. You disrupt yourself. <laughs> um, that's the that's you. You go ahead and disrupt yourself. Um, yes. You see a challenge coming, you disrupt yourself. We were to apply those lessons to the challenges we're facing now with like energy crisis, supply chain disruption in the world, the changes that we see in society. We don't wait for those things to turn up and be forced out of our comfort zone. We choose to make the changes we need to make today, absolutely, so that we we become the best we can be right now instead of waiting for situations because i think the, the, the brilliance in the story you're sharing is you were forced out of your comfort zone and it, yeah. it you thrive through that process um not everyone is as as successful as in some people get out of the success of their comfort zone and we we get the wrong reaction we, we don't get success on the back of that um, so that 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 is key there. But if you force yourself out, you have a better chance of success. Yes, absolutely. Because you're being you're being, if you like, uh, intentional about it, and that means that you can uh, you, you you can have a goal in mind. You can you know plan you know in a positive direction that you want to go. Perfect. So you already touched on it um, in terms of society societal change lessons from the book for societal change. Um, but I'll just, if we just say, see if we can follow up on that as well. Mm. So we know that a lot of behaviors we see in society, uh, a lot of behaviors we see are perpetuated by society. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give a very specific example. We use the example you, you're referring to here in terms of unequal women, behavior to treatment of women, okay? Gender inequality. Yeah. A lot of, the behaviors we see is society that's driving it. A lot of times people are thinking, oh, this is how my neighbors behave. This is how people in my community behave. It can't be that wrong. Um, we we see that in the, the way, way people behave online. Um, mm -hmm. People can do things that are not polite online. You have, And a lot of it is influenced by society. If everybody else is doing it, you don't see it as the incorrect thing to do. You yeah. just go ahead and do it. Um, so, and a lot of times what we need to drive change at a society level, at a corporate level, at a more you know, organizational level, is slightly different uh, from just an individual. So it would be good to get your thoughts on lessons. It might be the same thoughts you have here, but it would be good to get your thoughts on lessons on how do we drive that change when it comes to gender inequality at the broader society level. Yeah. So I think... Really, there are two things that I think that will be very key for us to make change happen when it comes to, you know, women's rights, you know, uh, inequality, gender equality. 
One is for everybody to take personal responsibility within a society. And for me, this means checking oneself, you know, our own, you know, belief systems, our uh, social condition. We are all, we are all socially conditioned, whether we like it or not, we are a product of our upbringing environments, you know, our relationships and just things around us influence us, influence the way we see life, influence the way we think. You know, so challenging ourselves, you know, is very key, but also calling other people, uh, calling other people out when they, when we see, when we witness, you know, certain kinds of behavior, because when we don't, you know, uh, we are in effect complicit to those kinds of behaviors. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing I think. The second thing will be for us to, as a society, you know, uh, and in, in this, I will, I will go to men, especially, you know, men need to be allies of women who are trying, you know, fighting for the right to be equal with everybody else in society. Um, I believe this means, you know, we have to recognize that first, the fight, and this is very important, because a lot of men take on this fight, and then like men tend to do, you know, and hence many of the, you know, patriarchal problem driven problems that we have in the world today, we take it on and we think that it's our fight now we're making it happen, we're doing it for women, you know, we have to recognize that it is not our fight. It is a women's fight. You know, we are allies with them. Doesn't mean that we take on a fight. So we have to let them lead uh, the fight themselves. You know, so um, we have to, you know, speak to women's priorities, what they want to speak about, what they care about, not what we think that she'll be caring about. Um, this That means that we, you know, uh, listen and we understand and reflect on, you know, their experiences, you know, to empathize um, with them, to be able to empathize with them. This also means that, you know, we have to be prepared and this applies to everybody, I believe, we have to be prepared to, as a society, you know, demand structural change in our organizations and, you know, uh, communities, you know, any setting at all that we have any kind of influence or any kind of, you know, connections or relationships or anything like that. We have to be willing to demand, you know, structural change that will benefit not just the women in our lives or in our immediate um, sphere of influence, but women down several generations, you know, in the future, um, we need to make sure that we create that kind of um, environment that will enable equality to thrive in every sphere of, uh, of life. We cannot, I believe we cannot wait uh, for um, events to happen first. You know, we can't wait for somebody to, to be uh, discriminated against in our workplace, for example, before we actually, you know, fight for a system that is non-discriminatory, basically. So we have to make sure that, you know, in the spaces that we occupy, we, we look for change, that we look for opportunities to change things, to make things right at every point in time. So these are some of the things that I believe that we can do. Um, if we don't, we, if we're silent, if we know not just where, as I said before, where, um, 
you know, something is going wrong, whether it's abuse or just uh, misogyny or just sexism, you know, light or not. If we, it's not just that we're complacent when we don't do anything, but ultimately, you know, when we don't act to even preempt those things from happening, you know, we cannot claim to really be fighting for, you know, uh, long-term structural change in the way that society is. Those those are perfect um, lessons you you provided. I, you said them very very perfectly already. Um, if if I just touch on a few that sort of jump out to me, the first one is is allies, and it's something something that people don't think about a lot. But it's one key thing that men can do, and men need to stand up and do. Um, I, I was speaking to somebody a few weeks ago, um, and she's actually in the process of mentoring um, girls to be able to function and get access to great roles in the workplace. And I asked a question around allies, and you could see the surprise, but it, it was because it's not something that a lot of people think of on both sides. So mm. men are not thinking, how can they be allies? And I like the way you qualified the allies there. It's not men speaking on behalf of women. It's supporting women. It's a woman's fight. Yeah. They need to take the lead, but they need our support because society... Yeah. It, it, we are interdependent on in each other, really. Yeah, and society is currently skewed towards men making decisions. So, you know, in a lot of areas. So we do, we do, we do have a big role to play, but we have to let women, you know, dictate that fight. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I totally agree. Um, if and if you had the opportunity to speak to leaders, people in position of leadership. Um, so it could be the leader team or the leader, a small business. They could lead a large organization. It might not even be a formal position, but they're in a position of influence. They're people who just have the ability to influence others because of where they are, because of the opportunities they have. For this mission, for this course, what advice would you give them to use that position, use the influence they have to drive forward gender equality? Well, um, one, one, one thing without being overly prescriptive, one thing that I, I did also ask, you know, wonder about in the book is this, if men were the ones who have been historically disadvantaged in the workplace, in home settings, in communities, in anywhere at all, um, would we still be talking about this? <laughs> would we still be talking about equality? Equality would have been achieved since. You know, so awesome because men would have, you know, rammed it through because of, you know, um, just feeling dominant, you know, and stuff like that, as many people do, um, unfortunately do. So, yeah, um, it does not apply at all, you know, that men, women are inferior to men. It does not apply at all. That is absolute nonsense. And any man who is in a position of power, man or woman, because social conditioning does not discriminate, unfortunately. You know, there are women, many women who believe that women, all the fellow women should be held back or held down. So it's not really a thing that's uh, where it's, it's only men, but it's mostly men. Um, men in position of power should, you know, be looking to create equality at every sphere that they can. You know, not as a 
future goal. It's a responsibility for now, a responsibility for now, because when we do that, what we do is we create a much more productive society. You know, we are holding ourselves back when we hold back any segment of our society, because together we make a whole, together we make the most impact that we can possibly make. And when we hold any segment of our society back, it doesn't matter whether it's women or, you know, LGBTQ or, um, you know, uh, anyone at all, any segment of society or, or black people or other, you know, people from ethnic minority groups, you know, if we hold anybody back within a society, the society loses out. That's just the truth. So if you're a leader who wants to get, who want to achieve the most possible, inclusion is the only way to go. There are many research that have shown that to be the case, that have shown that, you know, when there is equality performance in organizations, you know, as an example, is at its, you know, maximum. So if we really want to create a society that is that where leaders can say, yes, we achieved great things, we made things happen, we make people's lives better, we created, a, you know, vibrant, you know, vibrant communities or vibrant, you know, economies or vibrant organizations, then creating a level playing field where everybody is equal, starting from the right, the same place and starting from, you know, um, advantage to, 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 to be the best that they can be. It really is a no-brainer. So not just, not only is it that it makes, you know, it, 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 it gives justice to those who need it, but it actually makes us all better. That's just the truth. That, that is, is so true. I like the way you said it there, that inclusion is the only way to go, really, as in Absolutely. you want to achieve success. So whether it's you're running an organization, it's a business, it's a non-profit, you, you, you run a government department, whatever it is that you're running, um, if you're holding one part of society back, one part of the organization back, you're really holding the organization back overall. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's about being aware of that. I mean, that's the key thing. Is if we have these conversations like this, and you you provide a brilliant insight into that, we have the conversations like this, people become aware. Because sometimes, because of social conditioning, you could be unaware, and that is possible, yeah. you could be unaware of the impact of the actions you're taking because you're just behaving like what you people you see around you. Absolutely. But the key thing is the awareness. With that awareness, you realize that these actions may seem in isolation nothing, but when you look at it overall, you're actually holding the organization back. Absolutely. Um, she said, brilliant. Inclusion is the only way forward to succeed as an organization, as a leader. Okay. That is that's key. Um, this has been brilliant. A lot of insights here. A lot of very actionable lessons as well that you provided. Um, before we close, it would be good to learn you know, anything else you want to share about yourself, what you're doing right now, how people can contact you as well. Um, it'd be good to know about anybody wants to know about Michael. <laughs> well, I am uh, currently uh, chief executive of uh, Break Foundation, which is an organization working to, you know, uh, ensure a safer space for young people on the internet. Um, I am also the founder of the Diaspora Initiative for Nigerian Development, uh, something I'm, uh, I'm passionate about Nigeria being my country of birth. 
Um, so I'm involved in, in those two things actively at the moment. And obviously I'm going to be doing a lot to promote my book um, soon. Um, so I, I'm, I can be contacted online. I, um, I'm on Twitter, you know, Michael Bramo, just search Michael Bramo on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, if anyone wants to connect, that'd be, that'd be welcomed. And yes, so just look forward to engaging more on the book and generally, hopefully helping to create a space where, you know, um, people become more aware, as you say, as you said, of, uh, you know, some of the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Perfect. Um, what I'll do is I'll put the, the links to your contact, Twitter, LinkedIn in the description. So if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description section. If it's listening on a podcast, you see it there as well. Um, description, sometimes called the show notes. Just go in there. You, you'll find links to contact Michael. Michael, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. Um, we'll be in touch because I know that book is going to do well. And I'm sure you have a lot more very engaging, wonderful conversations about the book as you proceed. Thank you thank very you. much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Would you like to learn more about gender justice? Would you like to join in the conversation about leading societal change? Connect with a community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. When you visit our site, click join to join the community. Check out the show notes for details on how you can contact today's guest, Michael. Also, please don't forget to like, comment, review and subscribe. Thank you very much for tuning in. Have a great week and see you next time.